0: A new day.
1: Hey y'all, it's your old pal Mike Spears with episode 41 of Open the Voice Gate. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. You could follow us on the Voices of Wrestling feed on the podcast platform of your choice or our own RSS feed as well if you just want Open the Voice Gate episodes. If you get a chance, we'd appreciate a rate and review on iTunes or whatever platform you use. The show's Twitter account is at OpenVoiceGate. My personal Twitter account is at FujiHeya. That's Fuji with two eyes, like Don Fuji. Well, it's been an interesting week in Dragon Gate starting off with the Dead or Alive show going into three shows in Tokyo, Osaka, and Kobe as King of the Gate season is fully underway and it's been a really strong one so far, and I've really enjoyed the shows so far. It's been so much more entertaining than last year's weird one after the OWE split and President Okamura's retirement. And honestly, I like I've liked this one more than twenty seventeen. And you know, we'll, we'll see how the rest of the tournament plays out. But this feels like this could be one of the better open the voice gate. But but this feels like it could be one of the better king of gate tournaments of recent memory or at least since they've gone to the round robin format so on this episode i'm going to be reviewing the shows from tokyo from kobe and osaka i as the time i'm recording this intro and this release it is may 18th so the only show that might still be on the dragon gate network when you hear this is the May 12th show in Kobe, but the other two shows will be back on the network in some fashion about a month after their show date, so expect the Korkin show to be up on Dragon Gate Network on June 9th, and the Osaka show on the 11th. And then after that, I'm going to take a look at a really special match on Prime Zone, of all things, and finish up the episode by giving a overall look at king of gate in general just taking a look through all the blocks who has won matches who has lost matches who looks like they're in the driver's seat for their block and who looks like they have some work to do if they want to advance on to the knockout rounds and then i'll take a look at the shows that are coming up in hokkaido but without any more delay let's get into the show reviews with a really great Gorken show King of Gate kicked off at Cork and Hall on the 9th. It had an attendance of 1666, which was down from 1825 from the month before. And I guess that might be because this was a less strong card with the the anniversary series matches, maybe. I thought this card actually was much better than the April show. I thought this might be my favorite Corkin in in the last few years and easily the best opening night they've had. Maybe since twenty sixteen. I'm drawing a blank on thinking much further back than that, but this show was incredible. Three out of the four King of Gate matches just excelled. I mean just two matches that were the exact kind of matches that needed to happen for some of these guys right now. So I came out of the show just super excited. I mean, I'm looking at my trusty notebook where I take notes when I watch every Dragon Gate show, and I only have two matches that are at just a plain three stars. Everything else was incredible, or at the very least, very good, and even the comedy match was fantastic, so... This show will be up on the Dragon Gate Network until the 16th, and this show gets my highest recommendation. It is fantastic, and it's worth watching the full version because who knows what they will cut out of the version that's going to go up in a month. So if you get a chance now, go watch this show because it was truly exceptional. The show kicked off with a... 10 person tag that consisted Mostly of uh, Mochizuki Dojo Kids Versus Natural Vibe Members and The two sides were Yuki Oshioka Hio Watanabe Kota Minunura, Dragon Daya And Kiske Isku- Okuda Versus Susumu Yokosuka Punch Tomonaga Brother Yashi, Kness And Problem Dragon Mondai Ryu Yuki Yoshioka got the pen in 7 minutes and 42 seconds with his frog splash on Problem Dragon. And I went three and a quarter on this match. This is one of my favorite opening matches that they've had for a while. And as someone who's somewhat famously down on Dragon Daya, I thought he equated himself quite well here. He had a good opening here. And it was nice to see Okuda in front of a crowd that I guess probably is more familiar with him because he was really over in Corkin, and he had a really awesome segment towards the end of the match with susumu with the two of them just throwing bombs and there was also just like a lot of fun teamwork in this match i mean you look at the veteran side and you got a nesca reunion you got to see some natural vibes teamwork and it just was a whole lot of fun and the finishing stretch was just right after the okuda susumu but it was all on problem dragon with uh Hiro Wanabe hitting the saber and then Yuki Yoshioka going up top for the frog splash. So just over, just under eight minutes, but definitely worth your while and you should check it out. The second match was the Volume Five of Dragon Gate's 20th anniversary celebration series, and this one had the return of the Super Florida Brothers, and I think this might be the first time they have had a Florida Brothers match in. Five years, maybe six, it might be even be even later. I might just be thinking about all the shows I've times I've seen them on house shows and knew that they were around but they didn't make tape. But this was Johnson and Jackson, Florida, along with Daniel Mishima going against the Maraha Sapa team of Ginky horiguchi and Rio Saito, of which there was a disqualification in nine minutes and twenty five seconds because Daniel Mishima claimed that Rio Saito hit him with a chair, which is the most Florida brothers shit ever. And this is just for someone who came into Dragon Gate when I did. Other than Stocker Chikawa, who of course has been, a, been in Dragon Gate for so long and he's always just been a factor here. It was just nice to have kind of an old school tag match that really kind of fit what I was used to. You know, it's kind of my personal throwback for the 20th anniversary series. Not to say that there's anything wrong with the current system and the current style of comedy matches but this is just was a whole lot of fun i mean you had basically the greatest hits from the florida brothers it just was something that i thought was really enjoyable and you had stuff such as the, the deal with jackson florida for newer dragon gate listeners is that he's supposed to be so old and decrepit that he has to wrestle with a cane and then you get a whole bunch of cane based comedy and Johnson, Florida was unmasked somehow during this match, and it was revealed that Johnson, Florida, or at least whomever was under the Johnson, Florida mask this time was referee Takayuki Yagi, which is kind of something that everyone would know. Like, it's always been Yagi, but it just was funny, and then Yagi went underneath the ring, tossed his uh, mask to Daniel Mishima, and he got in, which is the first time that Daniel Mishima really has done any wrestling since he retired of course ramu mishima was one of the original florida brothers with uh, taki uh, with um <clears throat> with, with taku awasa and he retired basically soon after the end of florida brothers he originally was looking to join the uh the Kensky office and He had a pretty severe hernia, I want to believe, and he he retired about 2008 or so. So it was nice seeing him here, and this probably was like the first big batch of ring action he's had since then. And of course, when I refer to the chair shot and the DQ based off of it, the big conceit with the Florida brothers was that they would always get a disqualification win because they had their american flag covered chair that was always gimmicked up so that you could easily poke your head through it and there would be a big chair struggle and the other team would be struggling over the chair and the deal was that one of the florida brothers would poke their head through the chair call the referee's attention they would see that their head is wrapped around the chair with the chair being held in the other person's hands and they immediately call for the bell and then all the florida brothers came to attention for the uh, sparse spangled banner so it just is just was a whole lot of fun it was 10 minutes and it was probably some of the most enjoyable 10 minutes that i remember in dragon gate and personally for all the So guys showing up and all the sugawara that it made me sit through i was very happy to have this kind of a of an anniversary match and it doesn't seem like that this was it and they in the post-show, Johnson insisted that they return with all four members last time, next time, which, for me, Taku Owasa is one of my favorite wrestlers in the Dragon system. His tag team with Kenichiro Arai before Kenichiro Arai really fell off a cliff was something special, and it was kind of one of the uh, keystones of the Twin Gate division during that time from about 07 through 09. So this means we might be able to get Owasa back i am down for it. i know that there has been like he's made some mentions about being back in the gym so maybe we'll get an eight person uh, uh florida brothers match and maybe we'll get with uh kensuke Saki and akira Hokuto showing up too because they play a huge part in the history of the florida brothers so i'm just hoping i'm just casting this out in the void and maybe i'm lucky and we get a huge florida brothers reunion at the uh, june cork and i'm just i'm just saying Match 3 was Strong Machine Army against the members of Maximum that currently didn't have King of Gate matches for this show. It was Strong Machine J, F, and G versus Dragon Kid, Jason Lee, and Kaido Ishida. J got the win in 9 minutes and 48 seconds with the Majin Fusha Gatame on Jason Lee. I won 3 stars on this match, it was probably my least favorite match on this show, and when I say it's my least favorite match, this match was perfectly fine. I thought it was good. Three stars for me always denotes something that's above average and good. But I'm just... just—I've talked. We talked about it with Case on the last episode of In The Voice Gate. I just don't feel like that the Strong Machine army and its antics have a long shelf life in Dragon Gate. I'm more interested now that we see Strong Machine J and what he's able to do that... I want to see what he can do outside the confines of his dad's old gimmick. And I think he's great at playing this. I understand why he would want to be a strong machine like his dad. It's just kind of out of place. And I know that the crowds, as they're doing the first loop, are into it. And he's getting some good ring time. I'm just kind of uh, a little uh, done with this. And... This basically was an Ishida getting beat down by the Machine Army going in and out. And then there was a really cool kind of bump towards the end where Ishida during his comeback would do his running apron kick on Jay and Jay did a ridiculous bump on the outside where they just have like that small mat covering. So that was one of the more ridiculous things of the show. And honestly, if you're someone who has not seen the Machine Army, I know... Joe and Rich finally saw them at Dead or Alive. It's worth watching it to see like the whole gimmick and the deal and how the Dragon Gate guys work with it, but I don't know. I'm just kind of over it. The first King of Gate match for 2019 was in the B block and was between Ada and Masato Yoshino. In a really quick match and a fun sprint, Ada won in 4 minutes and 8 seconds with a crucifix hold on Masato Yoshino, so Ada already gets 2 points in the block and... Masato Ushino starts off at 0 and 1. For a sprint like this, this was a whole lot of fun, and I think my enjoyment of this match came from how Masato Ushino won King of Gate 2018, where it was all flash pens and doing lightning locks and things of that nature. So seeing that this first match going on people's memory, saying, okay, we're going to do the same thing here, was, was really kind of cute, and I like that, and kind of the first few minutes were just all yoshino running over ada until there was a moment where ada was able to sneak in a low blow and he was able to get a little bit of advantage this match was not a 50 50 match this match really was a 70 30 match for masato yoshino and ada got the win here right after masato yoshino started to power up doing his lariat into the Torbolino, and then often that's when he would go for the Sol Naciente but this time he would this time the deal was that Ada was able to quickly hook his arms for a crucifix pin at the right after the Torbolino, which was really nicely done in for a four-minute match and if you're someone that's a completist of King of Gate this is worth watching I mean it's with entrances and everything it's like eight minutes It's, it's worth checking out. The fifth match on the show was the first match of the D-Block, and it was Shun Skywalker taking... <clears throat> the fifth match of the show was the opening D-Block match where Mochizuki Dojo collided as the former member and top student of Masaki Mochizuki, Shun Skywalker, had a face off against his old Shihan. And this match was incredible. I went four and a half stars. I know K-Slow did as well. Shun Skywalker got the win in 11 minutes and 28 seconds with the Super Ashla, and that puts him in the early lead at two points, and Masaki Mochizuki is behind at 0-1 and, and 0 points so far in the tournament. And what I loved about this match is it was very reminiscent of the match that Mochizuki had against KZ in 2018 for the Dreamgate title. And what I loved about that match, it was... Very much so that Mochizuki was being a prick and just wondering what this little asshole was doing trying to face him. And he just kind of bullies... He bullied KZ around and he tried to bully Shun Skywalker around. And it was a whole lot of hatred in this early segment, mainly for Mochizuki, who, when he gets really fired up like this, he he ends up working a little bit more like a bully. He ends up working heelish. And it's really into it. And it was just like... The thing that kind of made this match for me... And why I love these style Mochizuki matches is that he really draws the, of his opponent into having to fight back and not go to their usual formula. So for Shun Skywalker, it was like, oh, I'm getting punched and kicked a whole lot. I can't just go do a whole bunch of dives. In fact, there was a moment where where the first batch of offense for Shun Skywalker, where he was trying to do his kind of rope run plancha where he, runs up the corner, grabs the top rope, and quickly flips himself over. And Mochizuki recognized this, stepped back, kicked him right in the stomach on the way down. Tremendous spot. Probably my favorite spot of this show. Just fantastic Masachi Mochizuki being an asshole, and I love it. And the thing about this match was that it was able to get Shun really into like fighting from underneath, he, had, he was not able to just grapple or go for like hope spots. He had a brawl and had him do more like forearms to Mochizuki. Do, he did a lot of bicycle kicks. If you're someone that gets tired of someone doing the same move, then you're going to get tired of the bicycle kicks. But I loved it. And he was starting to get into brutality himself because he was able to knock Mochizuki down. And then he did back-to-back moonsault double knees, which were just brutal, just was nasty stuff. And the finishing stretch with mochizuki constantly up in the turnbuckle and trying to fight out he was able to get a rear naked choke onto shun but he had to get counted off and let go shun was able to drop down ran ran back hit a another bicycle kick and got a super ashla which looked very very brutal and very painful for the pen was exactly what shun skywalker needed in a match like this especially right after leaving mochizuki dojo and they did a promo after this match where Shun apologized for how he left Mochizuki Dojo, but he knew, to, he knew he needed to do that, and Mochizuki said, hey, you let down the other members of the Dojo with how you were acting, because they felt like they had a fight to keep themselves in the Dojo. Why didn't you just quit beforehand, and you wouldn't even have to be involved in the cage? And Mochizuki was also like, this was a good match to have, because now you know that we're on opposite sides now. And they'll fight more. And he's going to continue training his guys to come after him. And now he has a serious rival. And that was just like a great promo. And of course, that caption comes from iHeartDG. And this match was exactly what happened. Both the big matches for the young guys coming out of King Gate on the show were exactly as they need to happen to get these guys ready for the next level. And something that Dragon Gate hasn't necessarily been great at in the past doing so particularly thinking about T-Hawk and his myriad of attempted elevations. The last non-tournament match of the night was another 10-person tag, R.E.D. versus Tribe Vanguard with Pac, Big Arshimizu, Yuzushi Kanada, Takashi Yoshida, and Kazuma Sakamoto going against Kai, Kagatora, Yosuke Maria, U.T., and Hiroshi Yamato. Pac got the win in 12 minutes 30 seconds with his tombstone piledriver on Kagatora. Three stars this match, not really much to it. Especially on a show like this where it was mostly tournament matches. It just kind of fell out of place like how you will see on a New Japan tournament show where you would just have the random eight or six person tag in the middle of it that just to break things up. And it just, it was okay. It was fun for what it was. Long brawl to start. Maria was the one who was worked over for a long time, and the crowd got real hot towards the end, but it just was okay. I mean, Pac maybe took two or three bumps here, so for as much as Case and I talked about how great Pac is here, he knows when to take nights off, and this definitely was a night to take off for him, especially since his tour is almost up, and he probably won't be back until hakata maybe maybe next cork and i'm not certain but probably for the lead up to kobe world so my main event was the third king of gate match it was the eight block match between kz and ruki doi this probably was my least favorite match of the tournament this night i still want three and a half on it which i know sounds kind of uh Sounds like I'm having like a conflict here where I go three and a quarter for the first tournament match and three and a half for this one, even though I don't like this one as much. This just was a fine match. Uh, It had some weird congruencies to it. Uh, Before we get into that, the result was KZ pinning Naruki Doi in four minutes and five seconds with the Sky to Skullboy. So KZ gets their early lead in block A and Naruki Doi is at the bottom losing his first match. And I actually really liked the first few segments of this match where both of them were going for pens and it was pretty fast action, but then Doi started to play heel and it wasn't really like the Naruki Doi heel that he usually was when he was in Mad Blanky and Berserk. He just was kind of a little bit awkward, to be honest. And I got what they were doing there, but it just wasn't for me. It started to pick up about 10 minutes in, so the last four minutes of the match were really heated and then there was a really kind of fun moment where KZ and Ricky do were on top of the rope and KZ did the brain buster call like Tozawa and everyone cheered for it and commentary put over that he was doing the uh, brain buster call, which I liked a lot. There was a, a good tease of the muscular ball at the end. And then it finally was another sky to Schoolboy attempt. He attempted it about three times during this match and then he got the pen for KZ. So KZ looked pretty good. He's still massively over they did the natural vibes dance beforehand it just you know maybe it's just not a good matchup for the two of them maybe the two of them just don't match the way that you would hope that the two of them would match so if there was a match on king of gate that you were to skip i would say skip this one i felt like that the ada and Yoshino match for how short it was had a little bit more to it so i would skip this one to be honest the main event for the first Night of the King of Gate Tournament was the C-block match between Benkei and Yamato. Benkei got the pin in 7 minutes and 1 second with the Choke Sleeper hold on Yamato. And this match ruled. I love this match a whole lot. I went 4.5 stars on it. And it just was really what they needed to do for Benkei. They've had such a problem in the past of either capitalizing on people when they're at their peak... Like when Naruki Doi turned face, getting kicked out of Reserve before they formed Maximum, and there was that Naruki Doi versus Yamato match that it really felt like it was a good time to put the belt on the hot guy there, but they decided to keep it with Yamato. Or when you think about failed elevations, I know I hammer, point, hammer this point home a lot, but the whole T Hawk elevation was a very big and somewhat disastrous failed effort there, but They really treated Binkei how you should treat someone that it appears is going to be someone who will be main eventing the biggest show of the year. And a lot of the credit to that has to go to Yamato. Yamato is someone that has a very specific style of how he likes to start his matches. It's a lot of groundwork. It's a lot of holds. And it's not necessarily holds that mean a single thing going towards the final stretch and it's really frustrating to me for someone who's been Such a big part of Dragon Gate and has been such a big star his Single match style is actually some of my least favorite single match style out of anyone in the company So the fact that he recognized that this wasn't the kind of match that it should happen was really important for this match getting over and guys Benkei was super over in the crowd. When, when there was the appropriate time for Benkei calls, the crowd was into it. They were into his big kickouts. They were big, in, they were big into his big moves. And this match was exactly what they needed. And it was such a relief seeing that at Dead or Alive, it was very clear that Benkei was going to be the person they were going to go with. And they treated it well. Post-match was something I didn't really like, and I'll get into it after I'm done talking about the match, but for this 20-minute period, everything aligned. You had the right opponent for him. You had him gain the right response. You didn't expose him. For someone who is on the precipice of being a young ace and someone who has the ability, in a lot of ways, of being K, with some of the uh, subtractions, he's someone that, only the last year he was starting to get significant singles matches only until last year he was doing offense that wasn't strictly power-based I mean he basically was throwing people around doing the spear and the power bomb and that was it for a long time but we got to see a lot of him putting it together here and Yamato really deserves the deserves an equal share of credit there because Yamato is someone that if he just wants to have a match that's his style, he'll have a match that's his style. Now, there were a couple big moments in this match that I really wanted to get into before getting to the post-show. Just everything that happened on the post-show. One of the moments was Benkei was on. One of his moments that he was in control and he was going for his spear. And this was probably about the second spear he attempted on on the night. He already hit one. And Yamato saw it coming and just did his knee lift. And the knee lift into the spear is one of the great spots in Dragon Gate because Benkei always like slides out on his knees, leaning back, eyes glazed over, and it's a tremendous sell. But the thing that made it even more awesome was the camera at that time decided to pan up to Yamato who had a simply crazed look on his face. You could almost hear the inner monologue of ha ha, I got this fucker. Now this is over. And it was just like such a great facial expression from him. And it was just just tremendous stuff. There was one moment in the finishing stretch that got a little messy. It, the finishing stretch was really worked around Ben K. Trying to go for his power bombs. His first attempt, I don't know if it was just that they were that both of them were like slippery. And he lost grip. But it seemed like it was pretty clear that the idea was that Ben K. Was going to go up for a power bomb Yamatos can go for the Frankensteiner of the almighty out of it just reverse the move and get a and get a near fall but it didn't really work but Yamato again he deserves a lot of credit for this match he recognized what was going on they went back to it there was another chance for the power bomb they did the roll through where Benke even rolled through that which made it seem kind of like the world liner and it didn't take away from the match unless you're someone that's gonna mark off for like a botch or a near botch i understand but for me it didn't take away from the match and at the end of the match he choked out yamato yamato who's someone who used sleeper holds someone who's known as someone who practices brazilian jiu-jitsu and mixed martial arts he choked him out in the ring and the crowd was electric they were electric for the finish and it was kind of a surprising finish the shame was what happened after the match after the match red hit the ring and kind of just did a repeat of weapon in aichi where they beat him down they broke a chair they were choking off a chair and then shun skywalker came in to fight him off so that part ben and shun being together makes sense i'm okay with i'm okay with it that seems like if there's going to be a unit formed out of there there's your nucleus it just didn't seem like that that, that this was the moment to do that there because this felt like this was to be big, Ben's big night. This was supposed to be like, okay, everyone, this is our guy. So having that and having Shimizu on the mic is cutting a promo before Shun gets out there, and then Shun kind of countering the promo. Not really what needed to happen here. However, after this, we had the continuation of Masato Yoshino's appeals to Ultimo Dragon, where he comes out and he asks it again. He kind of breaks up the R.E.D.'s thing, saying, okay, we're done with you here. We don't need to hear any more of this. This seemed like a good time for this. But then Separatos played, and the crowd immediately started clapping. And I think that for the old-time fans or the people who just were familiar with Ultimo Dragon, they were getting real into it. And then suddenly coming through the apron was someone in a dragon mask and the shoulder pads. But it was not Ultimo Dragon. It was Toru Awashi. And Torowashi came out there and he said, hey, I'm not trying to deceive you or play any tricks. He does have a real reason to be here. And that was because the day before he had, I don't know if it was an anniversary show or or something special, but it was called the Luchanko Mania Festival. And Ultimo was on that show. And he had a chance to talk to Ultimo. And Ultimo said that he wanted him to see if this was just Masato Yoshino, making a selfish demand and plea for his former teacher, or if this is something that the entire thing for Dragon Gate wanted this. So that was the question he asked is, is this just you, Yoshino? Or is this the promotion wanting me to come back? So Yoshino admitted that the way he presented it last month made it seem like it was his own selfish request. And he then called on to everyone in the back saying, if you want Ultimo to come back, Please come out and join me in asking him. And then the entire roster came out. And all, all during this time, R.E.D. stayed out for this. And it wasn't just like the entire roster when I say like, okay, everyone was free. Everyone who was on the show came out. The Strong Machines, who are famously silent, came out. B.B. Hulk, who was backstage, came out. Mas- Masaki Mochizuki, who was doing commentary for the main event, down, it said, oh, I need to come down here for this. Threw down his headset and came down there. And it ended with a nice little moment where Naruki Doi said that for the, the Toribon generation, he was, Ultima was their second parent, and he was the one that created the foundation for them to achieve this 20-year milestone. Everyone wanted to see him come to Dragon Gate, and they'll be waiting. And then there was another moment where Yamato picked up the microphone, and he came from the Trueborn side, the people who came, and were chained through the Dragon Gate system without any of Ultimo's influence, but he said he never met Ultimo, but he knows that he must be great based on things he sees from the Toribon generation that he shares a locker room with. He also wants to see Ultimo Dragon come to Dragon Gate. This is a consensus. And then Toru washi said, "All right, I'll deliver the mes- message. And I'll give the answer next month in Cork and Hall." So it definitely was not just an appeal. This definitely seems like this is direction they're going to make for Kobe World and for 20th anniversary show, I'm glad the company's in a situation to have Ultimo Dragon here it just, it would not be appropriate at this time for them not to do this like this is kind of a nice moment and it really proves how Dragon Gate has really come over the last year because a year ago this wouldn't happen, a year ago there would still be a promotion as is, but now it's a very new promotion. It's a promotion of a lot of excitement. I mean, between Dead or Alive and this and show, the, the back-to-back killer shows, their promotions really getting really getting full steam ahead here. And the show top to bottom is definitely worth watching. And it's even making me excited about some of the drier shows that I had to sit through in April. I mean, I'm gonna I've lamented about how Kobe shows are kind of boring, but I'm excited to see how this tournament pans out, and hopefully the company doesn't let us down for the next show. Night 2 of King of Gate was held in Osaka at Edion Arena Number 2 on May 11th. Attendance was 825, which is down pretty significantly from Night 2 of Champion Gate, which was 1133 two months ago, and usually you'll see a number like this, and you'll go, Oh, god, what happened here? Why did they lose so much attendance? But Champion Gate had two title matches there and four title matches across the week, and so given that, and the fact that this is coming right off of uh, Golden Week, I wouldn't necessarily read too much into the attendance drop there. So, uh, the crowd was really loud for especially for 825 this is the most lively a crowd has been in the last few months at house shows and speaking of house shows and their monthly televised shows that they tape for infinity this was the best one they've had in the last few months at least dating back through march just was a lot more of a solid show overall nothing was outright bad or people going through the motions since this was a league show everyone was pretty much up for it there were two matches that I thought were exceptional and then a couple of solid matches and a lot of matches that you unless you really want to see someone like Keisuke Okuda or more of this strong machine army that I would just skip over they're just not really worth your time so speaking of Keisuke Okuda he was In the opening eight-man tag, it was a mixed team of Tri-Vanguard, Yamato, and UT, which is interesting. Yamato doesn't do very many openers, so that was new, but it's King of Gate. This kind of stuff happens. And they were teaming with Maximum's Jason Lee and the aforementioned Keisuke Okuda, and they faced a uh, natural vibes and unaffiliated team of KZ, who's down here also because of it being King of Gate, Brother Yashi, Kness, and Problem Dragon. Yamato got the win on Problem Dragon Monday Ryu in 9 minutes and 2 seconds with the Galleria. Went 3 stars. This was just kind of a light opener, but had a p- pretty good pace. I mean, all the tag matches on the show had a pretty solid pace, given that all of the uh, King of Gate matches had pretty solid times. So, It was nice to have that, so... I thought that this match was just a good match. It was pretty light. There was a kind of funny opening bit with KZ and Jason Lee towards the opening. But, I mean, this is just your standard opener, and it was a good one at that. The second match was a King of Gate C-block match between Takashi Yoshida and Ginky Horiguchi. Yoshida got the win on this night over Ginky Horiguchi. And... I went two and three quarters on this, and I refuse to grade on a curve. I know that there are folks that are a lot higher on CyberKong slash Takashi Yoshida than I am, especially given with how the company is at, they think that he's a better worker than he is. But in my opinion, he's good in very select moments. So saying that he was solid here would just be... Me- be me being intellectually dishonest, so I'm not going to do that. But for a 10 minute and 14 second match, I thought that this overall was okay. I mean, definitely not bad given the the people involved in this match, and just went through the motions. It was a big versus small match, and it had a very slow moment where there was a long knee bar segment by Horiguchi on Takashi Oshida. And then some crowd brawling. The crowd was into it. And the crowd was into this entire show. So, you know, all things considered, that's pretty... That, that's the most you can hope for for a match like this. And it's also a Takashi Yoshida match that did not outright suck. And with that win, that moves Yoshida in a tie for first in the block with Kay, who had the win at the Cork. And before that, both of them have two points. And then that also means that Ginki Horiguchi joins Yamato at the bottom of the block with zero points with one match at play. So overall, just kind of was an alright match. Nothing too much to call home about. And that's kind of was a trend also for the next match. And that was the Strong Machine Army team of JF and G versus the maximum team of Masayo Yoshino, Dragon Kid, and Kaido Ishida. F got the win for the team, which is the first non-televised win for or the first televised win for Jay that he did not score the fall. It was F this time, who got it on a with a power bomb onto Kaido Ishida. And you know, this is about the sixth match of the strong machine army to made tape. I've talked enough with Case about how these matches are kinda just running through. But this was a match that actually the Strong Machine Army was selling for a lot of, which given the fact that this was a low minute match it wasn't just like a 90-10 or an 80-20 match. This one was actually a little bit closer to 60-40. Ishida got some good offense in on the Strong Machines, which was pretty good. Jay had a moment where he was being down Dragon Kid and it was kind of a nice use of his size. But, I mean, it's still there and, I mean, it's over it was the first time that this group was in Osaka so the crowd responded pretty well for that and I don't know the more I talk about Strong Machine Army just kind of running through the motions I'm wondering how long they last and they keep on scoring wins they've not yet dropped a fall in Dragon Gate. Match four was a rare three-way tag team match and you kind of don't see a lot of these matches either without title ramifications, unit ramifications, or really outside of just Corkins or pay-per-view. So it was kind of different from to have a match like this. The three teams were the RED team of PAC and Big r Shimizu. And then the second team was the now unaffiliated team of Ryo Saito and Shun Skywalker. And the third team was Mochizuki Dojo's, Yuki Yoshioka along with the newly unaffiliated Bink-K. Pac got the win in 15 minutes and 51 seconds with his Liger Bomb on Yuki Yoshioka. And I love this match. It was just pretty much worked at a sprint pace the entire time, which was nice after how slow some of the matches were on the undercard after the opener. And I give it four stars. It's really worth seeking out and... If you have access to the network, it's worth checking this out. Because I don't know if this one's going to make the version affinity, given that there's four King of Gate matches on this show. But it, one of the things that really kind of struck me in this match is how sleazy Big Arshimizu has gotten over the last year. I mean, he went from, you know, having his singlet to having long pants that look like a bad... Uh, Bam Bam Bigelow, and he now has long blonde hair and a very bad mustache. And he decided to complete the look of this show with wearing what best could be described as pleather jinkos. And it was tremendous. I love how much he sleezed it up, it works for him. And this is just a real fun sprint that had a lot of the younger generation in. And you had Ryo Saito, who pretty much has been in a comedy role dating back to the Jimmies. So we're talking four five years now and he was really good in this and this is kind of the Rio saito i like where he's somewhat humorous and there was a really good kind of spot where shin skywalker was trying to get uh, he was trying to get big r shimizu up for his stretch and he was having such trouble and then he called over ryo saito ryo saito tried to help and then he called over uh yuki oshioka and yushi okioka often to offer to help and then immediately after they got shimizu up he kicked uh ryo saito in the stomach so i thought that was pretty funny so like this was just all in all a very strong match benkei was super over in this match even more so than cork and this osaka crowd loved benkei he was the most over person in the match and probably the most over person on this show now that i've looked back at it there was a lot of calls for ada in the main event but easily binkay it's working this push is working and he is getting super over so i'm totally down for that and this just was incredibly well worked uh segment towards the end with everyone just kind of going to town on shimizu especially binkay like they've really gotten over his physique being very impressive and showing him as someone who with someone like shooting Skywalker wasn't able to power a uh, Shimizu around too much, but Benkei could. So it was a nice little thing there. And then the finish, of course, Pac, Pock had a segment with Yuki Oshioke in this match. So that was a lot of fun too. So really, I think that people should seek out this match. I don't think it's going to be making the full production show so if if you're able to find it before the 18th please go seek it out because it was something really really cool and post-match shimizu grabbed the microphone and said that ben k was somehow managed to become even more useless since getting kicked out of red and then he immediately continued throw him throw him down by saying was yuki oshioka the best partner he could find it makes sense since ben's a billion smarts qualifying for starting over with uh mochizuki dojo and that he told him that he should beg him to join and then shimizu directed his commentary towards shun skywalker who said that shun stuck his nose where it didn't belong a couple days before in cork and hall and now he's teaming up ryo saito the comedy loser and he made fun of the fact that shun skywalker left mochizuki dojo to become a comedy wrestler because of this tag team and then ran down the A little bit more saying that Ben and Shun will never get anywhere now that they're by themselves. Shun will see just how hopeless it was in Kobe the next day because they had a show on the 12th in Kobe and that they had their King of Gate block match there when he and Shimizu would go one on one and Shimizu would show him the difference. Shun responded that Shun, Shun responded that Shimizu couldn't do anything on his own. If he didn't have Ada or Pac backing him up, he's totally incompetent. Shun said that he's on his own because he wants to forge a path by his own ability and that Shimizu should never care, should never compare himself to Shun Skywalker and that Shimizu should be ready for the big fight tomorrow. And then that led the card to have the three remaining King of Gate matches. The next one was the D-block match with Masaki Mochizuki facing Kai. He won in 11 minutes and 49 seconds with the crucifix hold, which put Mochizuki at 1-1 one and one with two points in the tournament, whereas Kai lost his first match of the block. I went three and a quarter on this match, and this was a match that was kind of difficult for me to wrap my head around, to be honest. It just was a match that there were a couple like good moments. Like The match started with Mochizuki taking apart Kai, working over the arm, going to the outside, kicking... Kai's arm into the ring post. And then he was pretty much dominating until he did his slap on the top of the head, just being very demeaning to Kai. And it was kind of a chop that Mochizuki does when he wants someone to fire up or when he thinks someone is beneath him. And it just kind of had a weird flow to it. The crowd was into the match and was into Kai. And the match overall, three and a quarter, perfectly decent. They're, it's just a weird thing this display. I was talking to Case Low about this, and Case put gave the analogy that it felt kind of like a best-of music video of this match where a lot of the slower parts were chopped out, and that's kind of the best way to describe it. And the crowd was into it, but the two didn't have, like... There was chemistry, but it wasn't the chemistry that... Mochizuki had with people like Kazma or younger people on the roster just kind of was that they were going through the motions there and the crowd was behind it. It just was hard for me to connect to it. And I felt the same way about the uh, the next match, which was the semi main event, the King of Gate A block match between Noruki Doi and Kazma Sakamoto. Doi won in 12 minutes and 14 seconds with the V9 clutch. And with that match, that puts uh, Naruki Doi at two and two after his loss to KZ, and he ties him for the most points, but KZ has a match in hand, and Kazuma Sakamoto is at the bottom of the block with zero points. And I gave this three stars. I don't know what it is, but these first two matches with Naruki Doi haven't connected with me as much as I would hope. The match with kz you know it just was a kind of a weird match at quark and i just really wasn't into it it was like nuruki doi was working heel but he was not the effective heel that he was when he was in for zerk and mad Blanky. and this match it just you know i mean it was a 12 minute match that the crowd was into and it was kind of hit or miss and there was a long really long chasma control section early on it did pack pick up a bit in the final stretch after there was a long time up on the turnbuckle i don't know exactly what either guy was going for but it ended up with naruki doi doing a Frankensteiner off of it and that led to an, a closing stretch that was pretty heated and a couple of moments where there was a couple attempted flash pens but this is a match of the tournament like if you're looking to get through all the matches on the tournament really the only one i could recommend is the main event and Getting into the main event, it was the King of Gate B-Block match where Ada defeated Susumu Yokosuka in 18 minutes and 13 seconds with the Salamander Avalanche Prawn Bomb Hold. And I love this match. This was my match of the night. Went four and a quarter. This is definitely a match that if you're trying to pick and choose for the tournament, go out of your way to watch this match. This puts Ada in the clear driver's seat for Block B now that he has defeated both Masato Yoshino and Susumu Yokosuka. All he has left are Yuzushi Kanda, Yuki Yoshioka, and Yosuke Santa Maria. That if we are going to go chalk here, you know, maybe Santa Maria or Yoshioka get a surprise win out of it, but it's pretty clear now that the hard part of his. Tournament schedule is over I'm not prepared to say that he's going to Outright go through but it's looking A lot like it And This match they came into it hot and There was a nice little moment that Kind of was a throwback to the show A couple days previous where Susumu was just dominating Ada for the First two or three minutes Of the match and he was going for Jumbo no Kachis and just Was laying him out and there was One moment that he that was able to turn it over to another crucifix hold but susumu kicked out and it kind of just kicked into another gear this is so far the longest match of the tournament with 18 minutes and 13 seconds but there was the amount of urgency in this match that i felt like was missing throughout the show and susumu was very urgent when he was on top of ada when he was in control definitely just throwing bombs giving him a bunch of exploders a bunch of jimbo nokachis He had a couple teases for the Mugen, but he never got it pulled off. And the other side of the match, Ada, this was one of the first matches where I feel like Ada worked a main event style as a heel, which is really saying something considering how Ada had that very prolonged feud with Dragon Kid leading up to his Mascara Contra Caballera match. So the fact that this was the match that got Ada to that level you know, it kind of says something about the chemistry of those two. And this definitely was reminiscent of the match that Ada had against Asumi Yokosuka three years before in the tournament. So these two have incredible chemistry. There was a really great part towards the end where Ada was gaining more and more control. And there was a no Kachi Kachigadame that Ada was able to turn into the El Numerono for a couple moments. And that was really, really... Nice, there was a big finishing stretch where Ada kept on giving him the, the Imperial Uno and Susumu kept on kicking out of every kick and then Ada kept on kicking out of every Jumbo Nakachi until he got him up to the turnbuckle for the Salamander. So it was a tremendous finish and really put a nice bow on the show. Again, if you're going to go back and pick and choose before the 18th, definitely watch the three-way tag match on the undercard. I thought that was something unique and really cool, and also, you've got to check out Ada versus Asumi Yokosuka. It was a tremendous match. Night 3 of King of Gate was from Kobe Sembo Hall on the 12th. The show will remain up on the network until the 19th. The attendance for the show was 639, which is slightly up from last month, and Overall, this was not my favorite show of the current tour and of the tournament. There wasn't anything that was outright bad. There was just some stuff that wasn't necessarily what I want out of Dragon Gate singles matches on it. Especially one match in particular. And really, in comparison to how great of a show Osaka was, it was going to have to be pretty big to live up to it. But overall... It was solid. It was a lot better than the very dry Kobe shows that they've had so far in 2019. I don't think I like this one as much as the January show with the, uh, with the Trios Tournament, but there was a lot of good on this show. Uh, starting from the uh, opener, it was a eight-person tag, with one side being Ryo Saito, Kagatora, Brother Yashi, Keisuke Akuda. And then the other side being Maximum Trio of Masato Yoshino, Dragon Kid, Jason Lee, and their partner was the Problem Dragon, Mondai Ryu. Cyrio uh, won in 9 minutes and 9 seconds with the Cyrio Rocket on Problem Dragon. I went 2.5 on this one. Had a whole lot of Brother Yashi in this match. <laughs> and it just was very light match. There wasn't a whole lot to it. There was a fun little exchange with Jason and Okuda, and I like seeing these kind of openers, especially when you have someone like Okuda who's coming in. He's newly freelance. I don't even know if he was under contract to DDT, but this seems to be his tryout month. And the little bit I've seen of him, he's been pretty solid. And there was a fun little segment in there with him and Jason, so that was kind of nice to see. The second match was a was a Tri Vanguard versus Maximum tag match, with the Maximum side being naruki doi and kaido ishida and the other side being my sleeper tag team of the first half of the year kai and ut are back and they had another really really fun match i went three and a half stars on this match the match was just a shade under 10 minutes nine minutes and 58 seconds with kaido ishida getting the win with his tiger suplex hold over ut and this match had a whole lot of Ishida in this. He really was the one that was uh, playing the babyface in peril and then bringing in Doi for the hot tags. And Doi played a really good heater here. Doi is someone that I was kind of down on for this week of shows dating back to dead or alive. But this was a good a good performance from him after a couple matches that I just was not much of a fan of. And he had a great finishing stretch it just was this is just was a fun under 10 minute tag team sprint and doi looked better in this and of course kai and ut who i just love them in these kind of matches they've been this weird odd couple and kind of the story of dragon gate outside of the obvious elevation of the new generation has been these freelancers and how they've fit into the company over this year and Boy, has Kai and UT weirdly worked out, and if there's somehow a Summer Adventure Tag League this summer, which I don't know if that's something that's just been completely put to bed or not, but if it's back, then I really hope we get a Kai and UT team, and I hope that they make tape a whole lot. Match three was the first King of Gate tournament block match. It was from the B block. It was Susumu Yokosuka against Yuki Yoshioka. Sasumu got the win in 12 minutes and 22 seconds with Yokosuka Cutter on Yuki Yoshioka. That puts Yuki Yoshioka at 0-1 with zero points. And this gets Susumu back on the positive side after losing to Ada the night before. He is 1-1 with two points. And gosh, Susumu Yokosuka, over the, the period of these four shows, has had three incredible, Three great matches. He was fun in the opener at Corican, but when we look back at this, we have the insane Brave Gate match with UT. We have the great main event the night before in Osaka against Ada, and then another tremendous match, not four stars, a little bit below that for me, just didn't make that cutoff, but another one of these matches with Yuki Oshioka, and he really has been drawing out the strengths of these younger guys and with someone like yuki oshioka who is already so good at the little things in the match he's incredibly smooth he's always been the smoothest guy out of the mochizuki dojo bunch even when shun was there he just is someone that's consistent he always looks good in this and they had some really good mat work early especially using the old and young kind of formula well there was a lot of yoshioka trying to go after susumu's arm and that kind of played in the finish that Susumu needed to go for his Yokosuka Cutter for the one. So this was just like one of those little things matches that I, when I watch these tournaments, these are the kind of matches that after the fact I look back on and I go, okay, this match ruled. So yeah, definitely. I don't know if this is going to be a match that makes the uh, taped version of it that comes goes up in a month. But if you have the opportunity to check it out, really, this is another... S- Another great match from Susumu, and May's kind of becoming his month. The last non King of Gate match of the show was an R.E.D. versus Mochizuki Dojo plus Benkei match, with the R.E.D. team being Pock in his last match of this tour, Ada and Takashi Yoshida versus Masaki Mochizuki, Kota Minenora, and Benkei. I went three and a half stars on this and. Something that needs to be said, and how I, I've been very positive about how Dragon Gate's been treating this year, is as soon as Ben K gets kicked out of R.E.D., he immediately has his one King of Gate match with Yamato, and then in all of his non-tournament matches so far, who has he been paired up against? Pac. Who do they give just a little moment of? Not a lot, but just a little moment of. Him and Pac. And it's great. He's been getting progressively more over. He was one of, if not the most over, person in Kobe. And he worked really well here. Minenora mainly got beat down a lot. There was a lot of good stuff with him getting beat down by R.E.D. There was a like 45-second moment, which for a match that's this short, I forget if I mentioned this earlier, Pac beat Minenora in 10 minutes and 31 seconds with his whipstone which has kind of become his secondary finisher. But there was this 45 second period where Pac and Minoru Suzuki were just going for positions. The one person would grab a waist lock, the other person would go behind, try to do a waist lock. They would be like having a little bit of strike battle and it was just was great stuff. And I love seeing that part in these little matches because who really knows if we're ever going to see Misaki Mochizuki versus Pac in this current run of Pac. So I was very happy to have that moment. After the Trios match, there was a promo segment that was a lot like what happened in, kind of what happened in Korikan, but what happened in Osaka with R.E.D. running down Benkei Morse telling him he should join Mochizuki Dojo, and then Mochizuki this time grabbed the mic, got on his side, and said that, you're saying that he's questionable, you know, Ada should be looking at Big Shimizu because that dude's super questionable. And then Mochizuki turned towards Ben, and he said he's not sure of what Ben's plans are going forward, but Mochizuki Dojo has proven to be a place for those looking to improve their position has come. But that's neither here nor there. He doesn't consider himself an ally or an enemy. They may even end up facing up, facing off later in King Gate, so for now he hopes Ben will do his best and make his right decisions, which is super wholesome of... Masaki Mochizuki, especially considering how cranky he was at Cork and with Shun Skywalker, so I thought that was kind of amusing, following that along front with the uh, with the translations from iHeartDG. The back half of the card, like the show in Osaka, had three straight King of Gate matches. The first one was a C-block match, where Ginki Horaguchi defeated Yamato in 10 minutes and 24 seconds with a backslide time, so that's when he... Continuously does it, and then finally gets a backslide from like a seated position and kind of shifts his weight over and does it. And he pinned Yamato, which drops Yamato to zero and two already on the tournament. So he is not having a good king of gate so far, and he has himself kind of a hole to dig himself out of. And that puts Ginky at one and one. So Ginky is back to five hundred. He has points on the board. I went two and a quarter on this match. It's just not my kind of match. For a match that was ten minutes long, it felt like it was seven minutes of Yamato doing his his mat work. And I've gone over enough how much I'm not a fan of Yamato and his mat work, especially when it doesn't kind of go, since it's completely just thrown out of the window when they get to the closing stretch there. But the crowd was into it. it. This match just really only picked up for me towards the end. If you're someone who likes Yamato and are a fan of that stuff, you probably will have a better opinion of this match than I do, but this match was just not for me at all. Semi-main event was a D-block match for King of Gate, and this was with Shun Skywalker and Big R Shimizu. Shun got the win in 12 minutes and 29 seconds with a jackknife cradle on Big R Shimizu. Puts Shimizu at, I believe, Owen when I'm checking my tables, Yes, that put Shimizu at 0-1. And and Shun Skywalker is out to an early lead in the D-block. He has won both of his matches that have been televised so far. And to be honest, other than Kai, he's gone through the hard part of his block schedule with the way I look at it. Sure, he has a match with Dragon Lee that's televised, and then a match with Jason Lee. But I think it's fair to say that Shun, like Ada is now firmly in the driver's seat for his block. And getting back to the match itself, I gave this three flat. This was a lot more of a brawling match with Shimizu mainly on offense, and Shun having moments where he was starting to get together and was able to get on him. There was a really devastating moonsault double knees he did to Big R Shimizu. That was pretty great. But the crowd was kind of quiet during the beatdowns, but they livened up when it was get towards the final stretch. And the pinning finish actually was really fun. So for a match that I wasn't super high on, I mean, out of the three matches that I know that would be more my style, this was my least favorite of the three. But the pinning stretch with Shun not just sliding out of uh, the shot putt slam, but but throwing Big Shimizu into the corner turnbuckle and then being able to roll him up for a quick jackknife, I thought that was pretty smart. And then after that match, Shimizu refused to accept the loss. He said that all the fans knew he kicked out at two. Shun told him it didn't matter if he accepted or not because the result was the same. That Shun Skywalker was the winner. He vowed to win block D. And right now it's looking like Shun just might well. He's doing incredibly well in his first two matches of the tournament so far. The main event of night three in Kobe was the A block match. With Kazma Sakamoto defeating KZ. This drops KZ to one and one, and Kazma now has his first win, his first match. So both of them are tied with points, but now Kazma has the tiebreaker. Kazma won with his half-package PAL driver in 14 minutes and 54 seconds. I like this a whole lot. I went three and three-quarters on this match. I just liked, I think, the Yoshioka match a little bit more, but it's also because of how much I'm digging. It's assuming a at this point, but we got to talk about Kazma and how somehow he's developed this incredible chemistry with the Dragon Gate roster because KZ was another one of these. And the two just worked. They, and it's kind of makes sense. I mean, in a lot of way, Kazma does a similar style of move as KZ. He doesn't fly around, of course, but Kazma has some, some similarities to him that I think is pretty neat. There was a moment that about, I would say, six or seven minutes in where Kazma did his pop-up power bomb, but to the apron on the outside that the crowd went nuts in anticipation and went deadly silent in a really cool way that, you know, a, that is a testament to how over KZ is now and how much the crowd wants to get behind him. But yeah, this one had a really good pace, especially for a match that was nearly 15 minutes long and the longest match on the show. They just kind of went at it and they went after it. And that's how, I mean, that's really what I want out of Dragon System matches is this kind of stuff or the classic Lucha Libre holds like UT and Super Shista does, not necessarily the the Yamato ones. Okay, I've said enough about Yamato for the show. But They just had this really great pace, and they were doing smart reversals. And for for a pairing that really has only had opportunity to wrestle each other since August, so nine months, you know, they got each other's moves, and they knew what to do. Like, there was a moment where Kazma went for another pop-up powerbomb that, instead of, like, going behind him or just struggling to go up, what KZ did was instead convert it into a face buster, which was really kind of neat. And the finishing stretch was tremendous. The two of them were really going for it. Kazma was being able to like chop and forearm and punch and super kick his way out of KZ's stuff, whereas KZ always had his uppercut to do it and the elbow smash. That was really cool. And it ended with a pretty hot finish. I mean, the crowd, as soon as the half package, File Driver was hit. They knew it was over. So I like this a whole lot. If you're someone that views Kazma as a pretty scuzzy character and, you don't like him too much i'd say hey point them to dragon gate kazma works here in a way that nine months ago i wasn't super excited about him here but now i'm intrigued to see who kazma is going to prove to have weird chemistry with and for the match to actually kind of rule so overall the show out of the three king of gate shows not my favorite probably my least favorite one so far but much better than how the Kobe Sambal Hall shows have been up to this point this year. I would say definitely check out Susumu's latest Masterclass performance with Yuki Yoshioka. Check out KZ and Kazuma Sakamoto. And, you know, the undercard, I'm, I'm looking over my notes right now, and both of the tags outside the opener weren't a waste of time. I mean... The only match that felt super long was the uh, shortest one of the tournament, and that was the Ginky Horiguchi and Yamato match. So, yeah, this was a fun show, and that's going to be the end of this stretch of King of Gate shows. They are, as I'm recording this, currently in Hong Kong. They have announced that these shows from Hong Kong will hit the network, but they haven't given a time. But that means like the next shows that are at the network are going to be the Hokkaido Triple Shot. So I think it's been a pretty successful first week at King of so far. It's been three shows that have not been as dry as the March and April ones and have also been a pretty hot start for a tournament that's going to end up being super important for the company, not only for this year, but going forward. Before wrapping up, I wanted to talk about a really cool match that went up on prime zone of all things if you're someone that doesn't really follow prime zone that's okay i usually skip it because what prime zone is is a short usually about an hour to an hour and a half studio show that dragon gate's done since i want to say 2012 but it's been going on for several years and it's a lot more well for first it's completely out of Dragon Gate's continuity other than who's in what unit, are they feuding like there's a little bit of that there but for the most part it's a comedy based uh, studio show that they tape in Kobe once a month it used to be taped at their sanctuary which was the building in which they had the dojo, the dorm, some of the dorms, and a lot of the former President Okamura's businesses. Body Adapt, which was the store that's affiliated to Dragon Gate, was nearby, and President Okamura's Karate Gym was also in this building. However, about the time that President Okamura retired, they moved it outside of the sanctuary because it was a very, very small space that You could barely do anything off the top rope. All the fans were practically standing. It could fit about 150 people in there. And these have subtitles for this, which was kind of cool. A lot like how Stardom has subtitles for all their promos. But about 2013, 2014, whoever did the subtitles either quit or left. or They they, they decided not to do subtitles. So for a show that's very comedy and promo-intensive... It's really hard to cover if you're not a native Japanese speaker or fluent. But anyways, there was this match that when it was announced on Prime Zone that they were going to do this taping. And oh yeah, they do all these tapings at a small theater in Kobe called Lapis Hall. And what they do is they have the Dragon Gate Next shows be the exhibition for it. And that's the shows where the younger wrestlers get to go have their first matches before going on tour. Like, right now, they have had two kids that have been just having five-minute exhibition matches for the last few months there, named Kento Kobune and Deketo Kame, but they haven't made it towards tour or anything officially taped, so they exist, we just don't know it. But So they do these two matches, and they do a Prime Zone taping. So the one from April 16th, which is Prime Zone seventy on dragon gate network is worth checking out in particular because there is this match that when it was announced a lot of people were like holy crap this would be amazing because this match was ut versus super shisa and of course super Shisa has been back for the last year after his taco business went out of went out of business and he's a part of the board of directors and he does a lot of training he's a guy who doesn't tour a whole lot but whenever super sisa Makes an appearance. It's usually worth seeking out because he was someone who, quietly for about the twenty years or so that he has had a career, he's been one of the uh, best technicians in the company, and he is one of the people who does the traditional lucha maestro slash yave style. So, knowing that UT was facing him and UT's gone through this miraculous tr- transformation since he came back from injury the last time, he's kind of starting last summer into now and the fact that they were going to have a match at Prime Zone it was something that went on the radar and it finally was posted this last week and it was a 17 minute match where UT beat Super Shisa with the Bien Yave and it was just something really cool and really special and the thing that made this so special was that this was like pure technical exhibition a pure yave maestro kind of match but it was one of these matches that i like watching maestro matches i like watching these in lucha libre negro navarro is one of my favorite wrestlers and he's been for a long time but a lot of these kind of technical matches can just get very showy and exhibitiony in a way that you don't really feel like that there is a match here they're just showing off holds and doing creative escapes but this match wasn't that at all and this was a match that if you're someone that wants high flying dragon gate sprint style this is not that kind of match this was a match where they would just do little just very precise things and work holds on each other for about 16 of the 17 minutes i mean there was No drop kicks, no real throws or strikes, and that was a really big part of it because there was a moment where they were kept that UT was working a wrist lock, and he kept and Shisa kept on trying to escape, kept on trying to escape, and he finally got it. And then for the rest of the match, you you had Shisa kind of shake out his arm, trying to regain blood flow and try to work it out so it's not aching as badly and. It, the whole story of the match was UT wanted to prove himself as the current master in the Dragon System. And there's one guy who was held that crown for the entirety of his career, and it was Super Shisa. So it was a lot of them trading holes, working a, a head scissors for a minute that each time UT would try to either stain on his head or roll through. He did not clear enough space, so Shisha would swing his leg back around and get him back on the head scissors, and UT more and more got more frustrated by it. He bled a little bit just from how they were going, and it, it, that was a really cool story of a match. I mean, there was a straight jacket hold where the two of them traded straight jackets, and each time Shisha would get out of UT's and apply another one, UT got more and more frustrated, so then he would actually try to elbow or knee his way out of holds and this is just something that was really really cool and i was going to be remissed if i did not talk about it and it just was something special and something you don't see in dragon gate that often so i personally went four and a quarter stars on this match if you're someone who does not like technical wrestling or you're someone that thinks that's kind of Week, how much you th- they would rely on it and you're not much of a yave fan this match is not for you but if you want to see something really really cool it's worth checking out prime zone 76 on the dragon gate network before we wrap up this episode i wanted to talk about how king of gate is shaping up as a whole as of recording it is the 18th of may and Nearly everyone has had matches. Some people have not. Some people have had up to three matches so far. But we're kind of in this lull now, and there won't be any more televised uh, round robin matches until the next weekend, where they do their biannual triple shot in Hokkaido at the Susukino Mars Gym, which is they do they go up there about twice a year. It's replaced their usual Hokkaido venue, and it's somewhat a similar situation to what happened to Star Lanes, where this venue shut down, and there's really not a good 500 to 1,000 seat venue, so they have to go to a smaller one, and they decide to make a double or triple shot out of it. So, taking a look at the blocks, Block A has had the least amount of matches in it so far. It only three members of them have had matches, and each of those people have had two matches. So, so far, we have Naruki Doi, KZ, and Kazma Sakamoto all tied with two points. And they've only faced each other, so everyone is one and one KZ has defeated Naruki Doi but lost to Kazma. Naruki Doi lost to KZ but beat Kazma. And Kazma lost a Doi and beat KZ. So they are in a three way tie, and if this would hold, they would have to have some sort of a three way match to decide who is the person that does not advance. Punch Tomonaga, UT, and Ryo Saito have not had matches yet. Rio Saito will have two matches in Hokkaido, UT will have one match in Hokkaido. And then we'll be doing the rest of his matches on house shows. Punch Tomonaga, I guess as a sign of mercy, maybe? Or just that this is how the schedules work out. We'll have none of his matches televised, but he kicks off his block play in the 22nd. Block B has uh, has two people at four points, but one of them has lost a match to the other person who has four points. One person at two points one person who's 0-2, and, and then two people who haven't had matches. So going from the top to the bottom, Ada is leading that block. He is 2-0, so he's, he's one of his matches, whereas Susumu Yokosuka has four points, but he lost to Ada in one of those matches, and he's 2-1. and 1. His block play will finish up on the 28th. Masato Yoshino has had three matches, his only win was against Yuki Yoshioka today. That match was not televised. However, he's lost to both Susumi Yokosuka and Ada. Uh Yuki Yoshioka is partway through his block so far. He is 0-2. He lost the televised match against Susumi Yokosuka and has lost the match I was talked about on the 18th. Neither have uh, Yosuke Santa Maria nor Yuzushi Kanda have had matches yet none of santa maria's matches are making tape this year and konda will have two matches in the middle of the hokkaido triple shot so it, it this is actually kind of surprising how poorly yoshino is doing in this block i know in case and i were talking about this block in particular we thought this was kind of a three horse race between yoshino susumu and ada to see who are the two spots and yoshino's somewhat eliminated himself from that conversation but he could still win out and then if the other two start picking up losses he would be able to advance i mean there's going to be some crazy math i would have to do right now and we're not really to the point of this block where we need to talk about this person's eliminated this person will advance if this and this happen block c block c has one person with four points two people with two points and then two people who have lost both their matches, and one person who has not had a match yet. So leading the block right now with a 2-0 record and four points is Takashi Yoshida. He defeated Kakatora today in an untelevised match, and he beat Ginki Horiguchi. Tied right now at two points each are Binke and Ginki Horiguchi. Binke would be ahead because he has only had one match against Yamato at Korkin and he won that match whereas Giki Horiguchi is one and one beating Yamato and losing to Yoshida. Uh, Kagatora lost that match we talked I talked about previously so he's 0 and 1 with the zero points and Yamato is 0 and 2 with losses to Horiguchi and Benkei however he has Ishida, Kagatora, and Takashi Yoshida left so I figure that he'll at least get two of those three ones, but he's going to probably need to win all three matches in order to advance. And then we get to block D. Block D has had every person in the block has had matches so far in the competition. We have one person at four points, three people at two points, and then two people right now sitting on a zero. So right now, Leading the way is Shoot Skywalker. He is 2-0. and He has four points. The last televised match he has will be against... Uh, will be against Kai. He has another televised match against Dragon Kid the night before. So he still has two more matches that will make tape. It'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. And then the third is currently a three-way tie point-wise but only one of these people have not had had a loss and that's Jason Lee he won his only televised match in Hong Kong which apparently is going to go up on the network the Hong Kong shows which was expected but don't know when exactly those are going to go up so he sits at 1-0 he has no other matches televised during the tournament and then you have uh under that, you have uh, Masaki Mochizuki. He is 1-2 so far, and he has no more televised matches during the tournament. And Big R Shimizu is 1-1. One one. He has one televised match remaining against Kai. So really, when you look at it, it's probably Jason Lee in second place, Big R Shimizu in third place in virtue of having less losses currently, and then Ma- Masaki Mochizuki in fourth place with one and two record the two people who are sitting on goose eggs right now the d block are dragon kid and kai both uh both of them still have televised matches shin skywalker has the match of dragon kid on the 25th and kai still has a match on the 24th that will be televised so he still has some matches he also now that i'm looking at he has a match against shin Skywalker on the 26th but he's only had one match so far and so has Dragon Kids, so they're tied at the bottom of the block. So, big surprises so far. I mean, Masato Yoshino being 1-2 and, and Yamato being 0-2 oh are somewhat surprises considering Yoshino's the defending king of gate. And Yamato has been the person kind of at the driver's seat of the company for the last few years. I think the A block is probably going to be decided from who is able to from those two those two point holders right now with casey doi and kazma it's probably gonna be decided between who gets who, who picks up one against the other four the other three people pardon me in the block and you know it's been an interesting tournament so far and now that it's up to eight people in the knockout portion it's not as dire for someone like masato yoshino or Yamato, who normally I would already count out and say they're probably not gonna be eliminated, but there's still some there there's still some hope for those two. But right now it looks like that things are gonna end up how Case and I expected earlier. I mean Shun and Binke having having early wins was not a surprise. Ada finally going on a run. I mean he's the nominal leader of RED. And then I mean, they're keeping Kazuma Sakamoto looking a lot more strong than I expected, so I guess that's a surprise so far in this tournament. Speaking of that Hokkaido triple shot, the full cards for those have been announced. The shows are on May 24th, 25th, and 26th from the Sapporo Susukino Mars Gem. The card on the 24th starts with Sai Rio and Shin Skywalker versus Ada and Yoshida, the B-block the B match between Masato Yoshino and Yozushi Kanda, a tag team match with Yamato and Masaki Mochizuki versus Susumu and Punch Tomonaga, the A-block match of KZ versus UT, the Strong Machine Army against Naruki Toy Dragon Kid, and Jason Lee, the C-block match of Kaido Ishida versus Binke. That could be the match of the night. That's a hot little number. And then the main event is the D-block match between Kai and Big R Shimizu. On the 25th, the show starts off with a maximum tag team match of Yoshino and Jason versus Misaki, Mochizuki, and KZ. The C-block match between Kaido Ishida and Takashi Yoshida. The B-block match of Susumu versus Kanda, so... The two old partners from M2K will face off there. A uh, tag team match that's kind of spicy, especially considering how much I put over Super Shisha earlier. It is Ada and Bigar Shimizu versus Shisha and Benkei. The D-block match of Dragon Kid versus Shun Skywalker. The A-block match of Nuruki Doi versus... Sai Sairo, and that's not a match I'm really looking forward to to be honest that might be my least favorite match of this weekend uh, and then the main event of that actually is the Strong Machine Army as they're going up against the Tri Vanguard team of Yamato, Kai and UT the final show of the triple shot starts off with Dragon Kid and Jason Lee versus Masaki Mochizuki and Benkei so they're keeping up that Benkei Masakamu Mochizuki kind of mini storyline. I don't think it's going to pan off with him joining Mochizuki Dojo, but it's kind of interesting. A six-man tag of Strong Machine Army versus this week's uh, what-do-these-guys-talk-about team of Susumu, punch Tomonaga and Super Shisa. A non-tournament singles match between Ada and Kaido Ishida. A of Doi Yoshi tag they haven't tagged together that often this year as Yoshino and Doi go against Big Art Shimizu and Yuzushi Kanda and then they finish off the weekend with three of the King and Gate sh- matches as Shun Skywalker goes up against Kai for the D block KZ goes up against Ryo Saito and the A block and the C block match of Yamato versus Takashi Yoshida and these will be the last matches from the tournament that are televised unless somehow they decide to make an infinity where they post untelevised matches, but I don't expect it. And that will do it for this episode of Open the Voice Gate. Thank you all for listening. Next episode probably will be in a few weeks before the, uh, the Corkin and the playoffs start for King of Gate. I would normally record stuff immediately right after these uh, Hokkaido triple shot shows, but I'm going to be in Vegas for Double or Nothing, and I'm kind of stoked to see Strong Hearts Live. It'll be the first time I've seen either T-Hawk or El in person. So I'm stoked for that, and there's a lot more about that on my other show, Everything Elite. But yeah, that'll do it for this time. If you have a chance, please rate and review us on iTunes or the podcast platform of your choice. You can follow the show's Twitter account at Open VoiceGate or my personal account is at Fujiheya that's Fujiheya with two eyes, like Don Fuji and that'll do it. Until next time, thank you all for listening.
0: Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old?